What's up, everybody? It's your boys. We're, We're back. back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get a really bassy one. Get a nice... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying, oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Movies, me and my girlfriend's best friend's boyfriend, the first annual Oscars podcast, our second episode, possibly part one of five, many, many, we don't know. We're a bit long winded, which for the five people that listened last year, you will recall. Shout out to our fans. Big fans. My brother, Mark, big deuce up in here. Oh, Jeff B., and Andrea, what up? That's what about up? it. I think we yeah, got everybody. Oh, Listen to them already. Perfect. Maybe next year, yeah. Our second annual episode next year, we'll get a few more in. Also, shout out to Megan, who I know for a fact did not listen to this. Podcast. Yeah. What I, the f- you know. What's up? I think she gets enough of our opinions anyways. That's true. She's a little burnt out <laughs> of me. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but we're back. We're talking Oscars, uh, alternative picks, our picks, because, you know, the Oscars sometimes almost always get it wrong. Absolutely. 100%. Um, like Baccarat was not even Dude, nominated last year. Baccarat. Not once did I, I see that big DJ standing up no, on the stage in the Oscars. Best supporting actor as he rightfully <laughs> yeah. deserved. This is just a reminder, basically. I think we're going to run it back. We're just going to talk about Baccarat for the whole time uh, again this year. We're going to run it Baccarat. Let's oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, moving on quickly. Um, yes, we're back to talk alternative picks. Um, actors, actresses, directors. Who else makes movies? Gaffers, best boys. Best boys. We'll a lot of be- well, there's a lot of best boys we're going to talk about. Um, and you know, our best picture picks, our favorite of the year. Which I don't know. What did you think of the year in movies this year? Uh, I thought it was. Hmm, wait, as far as Oscars are concerned, or like overall? Just overall. Like, did you have a good time at the movies this year? I, hmm, that's a tough question because I think I had a great time in the movies this year because I saw so few movies at the movies. You know what I mean? And it was like, it was always a treat. Yeah. It was like an event every time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that for sure. I watched a lot more at home, but did make use of the projector instead of the TV this year. And that definitely helped. That's a game changer. Yeah, it really is. Um, but I thought, like, I think because of that, I thought there were a lot of, like, good movies, but mm-hmm. very few that I was like, this is incredible. Like, blew me away. Oh, man. I feel like, hang on, I'm going to consult my list. Okay, also, for the listeners out there, as most of you could tell last year, as Tim could tell, as I myself could tell, I was woefully underprepared last year but this time i actually wrote stuff down so i'm pretty excited about it and i made a whole list of things i just went through my letterbox me too and i was like because i successfully listed everything that i watched that's a start that is to remember what movies you actually see yes because i was like oh that was 20 because time means nothing so Um, yeah honestly there were like five movies where i was like that came out this year like that's fucked up yeah 
I like looked back and I saw that like Bo Burnham's inside was this year in my letterbox, and I was like, that felt like it came out like two uh, years ago. Unbelievable. Um, like no. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a long year, um, and so we're gonna make an equally long podcast that I hope you all enjoy. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, should we just get into our first category then? I think so. Yeah. Right. So, I, um, yeah. You you did ask, do you think it was a good year for movies? And I totally dodged it, that question. True. Because uh, I had to consult I my list to average. make sure. Average. Pretty good average. to average. Like a lot of, a yeah. lot more really, a lot more like good movies than usual, but like fewer movies that I felt were like five star, like hands down great movies that's okay that's really tough for me because i feel like i'm not gonna say i'm like the biggest i don't know the biggest critic in the world or whatever i'm not like so like oh well this is these movies are just not living up to whatever i think a movie should be but i am like really like i'm just of the mindset that like to give a movie like five stars out of five has to be like it either has to make me remember why I fell in love with movies in the first place or be like damn near flawless and maybe that's just a flaw in my rating system I don't know I I I don't I feel similarly in the way that like it has to do something special to get a five star Mm -hmm. I rarely think that something is like a five star on first viewing Mm. like if I think something's amazing I'm reluctant to give it a five star because sometimes that like has to do with like where you saw it or how you saw it which is important but like watching like Sundance movies feels special and so like I feel like I often give those initially like a higher rating and then when I rewatch them again I'm like they were fine that I think is more like okay so I would give for a level set. I would give the movie Inception like five stars for that reason, right? Because it's like, it wasn't how I saw it, but it was just like when I saw it, I was like, this reminded me why I fell in love with movies in the first place. Upon rewatching a bunch of times, I'm like, well, this movie definitely isn't perfect, but like, it's fun though. But it's fucking dope. Yeah. And so it still gets a five star in my book because it qualifies, but like upon repeat viewings, I'm like, Actually, it has more of a tendency to try, like, make me tear up, which is very strange. Like, for a like a balls to the walls action movie, yeah. like, was, oh, case in point, I watched, I rewatched, um, oh my gosh, Gravity the other day, and I cried in the first ten minutes. Wow, <laughs> I'm here to say that Gravity is a bad movie. <laughs> Seen it once in theaters and in theaters and, and hated it. What? Dude. I think I was over space at that point. There were a lot over of over sp- space. You're in space. There were a lot right of space now. movies coming out around then, and I just had had enough of space. Oh, go on, um, space movies. <laughs> I feel like Interstellar came out around the same time. Okay, what? And I feel like there was one other one, but either way, I um, <laughs> I kind of laughed way too often during that movie. I will say this in defense of why I cried at the first 10 minutes of gravity. It had, well, at that point you don't know what her plight is, but it was just like, 
the music was swelling and the effects were amazing and she was like i'm spinning out of control i'm blah. like the the parts of the space station like are just getting destroyed and i was just like that's me right now i'm spinning out of control <laughs> i don't like, mean no <laughs> it's it's entirely fair i think too when i had seen it i was like just starting grad school so i i hadn't yet to like re- like hit a part of my life where i felt like a responsibility level and like a stress level with work or school that like Mm. made me question, should I be doing this? And like, is there something better than this? Like, Mm -hmm. um, I think having gone through like a lot more experiences, like similarly, it probably would hit harder of like, it's life. Yeah. Life is hard. It's wild. (laughs) Like we're all out here just like alone in space basically. Well that, yeah, I go existential pretty quick. And it's like, just like whenever you're just like in seeing a movie like that, which is like entirely in space and like right above planet earth. And you're like, oh yeah, like this is all we have. And this is where we are. And it's like, whoa, like you can get really like, I like, I yeah, don't smoke It's not weed. hard. And if I like, I feel like I, Megan accuses me of this all the time where it's just like, you think like a total pothead. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I like, mean, <laughs> Matt, you can run the spectrum of like those kind of <laughs> thoughts and then come in with some like technical brilliance of being like able to explain how they did something with sound. And then I'm just sitting here being like, well, I do smoke weed. And I'm like, that looks cool. Yeah. But this is not the vibe I want right now. Absolutely. Maybe because I think I feel that way in life where I'm like, I don't, I'm not so, like, I know there are a lot of people who gravitate like if they're feeling sad and like out of it like they go to music and movies that Mm. have a similar tone to almost like help them express that Mm -hmm. emotion and i like do the opposite where i run away from that emotion where i'm like i need a total escape right now if that's how i'm feeling totally um so i think maybe i also struggle with movies like gravity where it's like engage with your emotional side and i'm like I'm, you know, I'm good right now. Nah, dog. Yeah, I'm okay. There's enough happening. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Did did I tell you, this is, that's such a good point because like, I remember talking to a friend of mine years and years ago and they were like, I don't like movies with like any kind of like high stakes. Like it, they really like upset me or like they just put me on edge or like I get really anxious. I'm like, well, that's kind of like what movies are for, right? And she's like, yeah, but I work in the the NICU and I like watch babies die every day and my life is very stressful and I need to like, I need complete escape like in my media. So I, A, I don't watch a lot of movies, but when I do, it's like rom-com. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dang, I never thought about that. At first I was just like, how can you not like movies? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, it's because I sit at a desk all day. <laughs> like, you know, my life is not that externally stressful you know no totally i think i feel similarly where like and and also i think we both love movies on a level where like we want to spending time like analyzing what's happened well, in the movie yeah, oh yeah i yeah i, do, I guess like, i don't mean to oversimplify that like oh you can't if you're if you're stressed out all the time you can't like like there's it's not binary but yeah totally like, no yeah. but it's i mean i totally like even some i mean I, sometimes i have to be like i, I just can't watch anything that has a plot or like a oh yeah like like, something he- because I'm just like right now I know I'm not in a state to pay attention to and I'm thankful mm-hmm. that like my day to day is not at that point where like 
I'm so stressed and I just need a complete escape. Yeah. Um, but I also think like for certain people like us, like the escape we get from movies is fully immersing ourselves in the world and like analyzing it, maybe overanalyzing it, but like <laughs> spending time talking about the plot points, what worked, what didn't work is mm-hmm. our form of like escape. And, and like, even yeah. if it's heavy subjects that we're talking about with the movies, like it's still not what's happening in our day to day lives. And so yeah. like, it's just a different kind of escape for us. Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, I'm a, like, we're mood watchers too, like to a certain, like I watch, I was telling you, I watch Starship Troopers and yeah. like, that is a movie you don't have to think about. And it's like, even though there is a lot, like it is this huge, like, you know, political satire essentially, but like, you don't have to think about that to enjoy it to its fullest. And it's like, you could, if you want to, and you get like a lot of like, it's really funny if you think about it that way. But like, I watched it so I could watch people shoot bugs. Like, that's why I watched it, you know? Yeah. And I think like, cause I couldn't are... handle anything else at that point. No, sometimes <laughs> yeah. you, you know, yeah. you know, your limits, yeah. you know what might break you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think like that kind of brings me into the supporting actress category. Sick segue, bro. Thank you. Um, one of the movies here I have, which like overall I thought was fine. Like it was entertaining. It was one of the first movies mm-hmm. I saw back in theaters, which I think we did see together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like Riley Keough's performance in Zola is like outrageous and i think zola's like it's a movie based on a twitter thread and it very much feels like an unhinged person online like going through their like their thoughts um and that's why i thought like riley keogh's character completely embodies that to the point of like i was uncomfortable watching her at certain points because (laughs) like her choice of accent and like her mannerisms and like the way that she reacts to other like non-white characters yeah in the movie are very uncomfortable in a way where i'm like i maybe acted like this or at least i knew people like this in high school where i'm like we thought that's what it meant to like borrow from like you know borrow from culture and like oh yeah engage with, like yeah i mean i listened <laughs> to a lot of rap music like, in <laughs> high school and yeah. i was like okay this like form of but like i was completely unaware of like the um cringe factor of it which thankfully like you know you grow up and you learn oh man this Um, is an extended just shout out to facebook not being invented yet when i was in high school like uh if i would have gone through those formative years with like social media i don't think i'd be here today (laughs) that's good i don't know i somehow made it out slightly unscathed yeah but like she basically plays a character from a small town in the Midwest who like her voice is trying, she's basically trying to mimic the black people in her lives and Mm -hmm. like come off with that kind of like attitude and swagger. And it doesn't work at all. But I knew so many people that like could have slipped down that route. And like, I probably at a certain point was like, you do only karaoke rap songs. It's true. So. Uh, <laughs> it's true. You know, gin and juice is my go-to. Uh, Those are just remnants of the past. But I, I don't do karaoke anymore because I need, you know, to find better songs. Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, I think like her part in Zola sticks out to me. Um, in a movie that I was like entertaining for what it was. Definitely. It was fast, fun, and like not. Okay. I, I, I realize I'm speaking in a lot of like really incomplete thoughts and just kind of like a lot of segues. But like, do you think Zola was meant for anything more than that? Because I feel like because it was based off a Twitter thread and because it turned into a motion picture, I feel like people are may have a tendency to like put a lot more weight on it than it actually is just a fun, crazy movie. Is there more to it than that to you? I I don't think so. I, I don't think, think so either. I think I initially was like trying to find that, but then like yeah. the more you think about it, you're like, yeah, this is just based on a Twitter thread how many things happen mm-hmm. online that like you read about and you see and you're like, this is nuts. Like this is hilarious. Yeah. And then like a week later you found something else that was yeah. like more entertaining and you completely forgot about like where you saw that story. And I think that's yeah. like how Zola felt to me. But like, as I was thinking about like her character, because she's so abrasive and like yeah. loud and like clearly a person who's like, trying to fit in with a culture that is not her own. Mm -hmm. Her character is the one that feels like maybe it's a bit of a commentary on like what people. Well, exactly what you were just saying, right? Where you're like, you, you have interests or like you think that's like a way to fit in, Mm -hmm. but really it's like highly offensive, like talking in that accent and like trying to relate on that level where it's like all superficial instead of like actually having conversations and like being relatively yourself and Mm -hmm. like just listening and like, and she is like that. She doesn't give up. And Mm -hmm. I mean like the movie only works and the Twitter thread started because from the point of Zola, the main character, like Riley Keough's character was the one who pulls her into this world. Mm -hmm. And she is the one that like drives every insane thing that happens in the plot of the movie. Yes. And it's like that chaotic energy that I think like stuck with me from the movie more than like the story itself or like anything else that was happening. That is a testament to like that character. Like that was apparently, yeah, a a real character, like a real person is like, what is this crazy person going to do next? It's like really engaging because it's like if you want to hold it at arm's length, but you also want to like embrace it and be like, I'm along for this ride, which I think also speaks to like why movies are so great is because you can experience some of these things without the fear for your own life. Like, yes, (laughs) you know? Oh, yeah. Like she her character. Yeah. Who is based on a real person. Yeah. Gets the other characters into some like incredibly dangerous and strange situations that feel like surreal. But I think because it's like the movie has such a good understanding of like social media and like using cell phones and like how this would actually work in the real world. Like it, it works better than it should. Like that's Mm. a story that should just work as a Twitter thread. And you're like, I read this and it took me 10 minutes and like, Mm -hmm. I get everything that happened and it's nuts. Yeah. So to like stretch it into an hour and a half movie, like initially I was like weary about it, Mm. but I was entertained for like almost the entirety of it. I think it ends like right when it should. I also think the other characters are like played really well. And like, it's interesting to have the main characters played by like Taylor Page who's also very good. Like, 
be the audience surrogate. Like usually mm-hmm. you're following somebody who's a bit out of their depth and like out of their league. But and she's very much like not in control, but like aware of what kind of crazy situation she's in. And she's like, no, like yeah. I'm, I just got to survive this. Exactly. But she's not like a passive character by any means. Not at yeah. all. And I think it works really well off of like Riley Keough's like insane, chaotic yeah. energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think otherwise in like supporting actor, I had um, like Mia Wasikowska from Bergman Island who I think is really good. I just watched this movie this past week because it was on like a couple of top 10 lists and it's like a nice, it was a fine movie. I think if you have like an like a important relationship with Ingmar Bergman, which like Mm. I'm a snob, but I don't have a big relationship with his movies. Um, it might be like more meaningful. Um, but there's basically like half the movie that's told through a script that one of the main characters is writing. And Mia Wasikowska plays the lead in that script. Um, and I really enjoyed that performance. Um, I think Tony Collette and Nightmare Alley was really good. Did you see Nightmare Alley? I did. Yeah. She was, yeah, man. I mean, that whole movie was like, I haven't fully like, talk about a movie that just kind of like took me away and was like, I was just glad to be there. Like that was kind of that movie for me. And so everything else kind of almost took a back seat, and I wasn't like, it was so dreamlike that I wasn't like fully paying attention to like people's individual performances and stuff. But that speaks volumes about those characters because you're just like I'm not seeing Tony Collette I'm seeing whoever she's portraying I'm not seeing you know Bradley Cooper per se like I'm seeing like this hustler yeah type character which is really cool and like I do remember her being just like of all the people even like um Kate Blanchett is it Kate Blanchett's character the um yeah the psychologist like I still kind of saw Kate Blanchett playing this character where I cannot say that for Tony Collette. Like there was this element of like, she took over that role. And so to your point, it's like, yes, let's talk about a standout in that movie of amongst the cast of stars, just doing like really great work. Yeah. It's like Tony Collette, just keep doing stuff, please. Yeah. No, <laughs> honestly, know? like I completely yeah. agree. I think like, yeah, it is like a character role played by like an incredible actress that, like, yeah, blends entirely, like, perfectly on tone with what the rest of the movie is doing mm-hmm. and, like, really brings, like, Bradley Cooper's main character, like, into that initial fold that starts to drive the plot. That's like, right. She is kind of, like, inciting yeah. incident. Like, what is that? The the call to... Uh, the sage or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. She's, like, an... Ins- yeah, right. She basically kind of, like, he sees her and is like, oh, I think I could do this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Catherine Hunter, who plays the witches in the tragedy of Macbeth, was Man. really good. Yeah. Um, and then I think my my favorite supporting performance though was uh, Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter. Who that is who I had. Oh, nice. Well. Yeah. This is great. We didn't yep. uh, share our picks with each <laughs> no. other beforehand. Yeah. So, um, yeah. If you want to run through your other picks and then we can talk about. I didn't Jesse choose Buckley. any alternates. Okay. I'm nice. still. I'm still the slacker in this equation. No, this is great. But, it will uh, actually help us time wise. That's true. That's true. Um, um, yeah. No. I. I. I didn't pick any uh, alternates. Um, because I just kind of went through the list and uh, 
of nominees and it was just like, oh, who do I, who do I want? Yeah. And I didn't think much beyond that. My, the. You don't have to. She's so good. It, exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, good Lord. Like it. Okay. I'm looking at the list of uh, nominees right now. And to me, I mean, Kirsten Dunst and Power of the Dog. Cool. cool. Like Judy Dench always. Ariana, is it Debose? I think it's just Debose. Debose? Yeah, West Side Story. Which she's really good. She is. I mean, but that role is not. It's not as a, big as I expect. No. Like, and I mean, yeah. I guess I had reference from like the 1961 version, but like, <laughs> she the the like uh, America number in West Side Story. Yeah, is I think like the best song and like choreography. Yes. Of the she movie, was and dynamite. She is incredible. She is in incredible. It. It's true. Um. Uh, but like comparatively yeah. to to Jesse Buckley and The Lost Daughter, which is like that movie, like it hurts to watch like yeah. multiple times, like and you're feeling everything she's feeling, and like I just want to throw this out there: toddlers are literally hitting her in the face. <laughs> yeah, and this is acting, and she's like, the bad guy. And she- <laughs> no, but it, I mean, I think like it's. There are so many movies that have the role of like the absent father and like yeah. the bad dad. Yeah. And she gets to play basically like the absent mother version of that mm-hmm. in as like a flashback to Olivia Coleman's character, which like already you're having big shoes to fill. If like Seriously. Olivia Coleman's won back to back best actresses. Yeah. So like, but yeah, I think like Jesse Buckley's character and like her performance centers that movie because like it's very easy i think that characters can be like become very hateable very quickly you know what i think i think you're onto it and i think it's because so olivia coleman i think gets for me anyways gets the brunt of the hate because you don't know that at first you don't know that she's what she's been through jesse buckley's character you know, like you're, that's what you're seeing is all the hardships and all these things. And you're like, you automatically empathize with her more. Whereas like you see the fallout in Olivia Coleman's character. And at first you're just like, what is her deal? What yeah. is her problem? Like, yeah. Like you you're know? like, Oh she, I guess she hates this like random kid on the beach. Yeah, like exactly. pretty She's bad. She's not giving Ed Harris the time of day. Yeah. What's the deal? Ed, it's Ed Harris. It's Come Ed on. Harris. Come on. He's older, but he's still hot. He's, he's got it. Hot. He's still hot for some reason. What the hell? Yeah. He looks the same. I mean, he honestly like looks the same for like yeah. the last 30 years. Yeah. Which is great for him. When you uh, reach max level, you stop leveling, dude. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I do think that's like a perfect point though. Like Jesse Buckley's character, like when you see her in flashbacks, she's the one going through it in a way that garners mm-hmm. sympathy. But I think like she also, you, you can watch, you see her over the course of like the flashbacks in the film. It makes sense why she did what she did in a way that I think if it was somebody else, you'd be like, that still seems like an extreme action to take mm-hmm. um and yeah i just really loved um i love that film but i also love that performance especially absolutely nice. i 100 percent agree amazing our first our consensus. first our first maybe consensus. the only but we'll see it's true yeah <laughs> i've i've seen the future we're gonna fucking fight no um, that's great so <laughs> good podcasting yeah that's great that's drama high drama um so yeah supporting actor we can move on to yeah let's just um do it. yeah i'll run through yep. and we can talk about him and then if there's anyone else um 
So, okay, we'll bring this up first and just get the conversation out of the way. There's a movie called Mass that's about two sets of parents who have been through a mass shooting, and it's like pretty devastating and harrowing, but it's mostly just like a play shot between these two couples, the whole movie. And I thought that like Jason Isaacs stood out for me. I did think it was like a movie that's for the actors. Jason Isaacs was definitely the the best. Okay. I know yeah. we have, that's good. I'm glad we can agree on that because I know we have differing opinions about the movie. I thought it was something that was really effective for me. Um, the dialogue like didn't feel, it felt real in a way that usually I watch a play like that and it feels over articulate, like mm-hmm. the dialogue and like the characters speak in ways that don't feel as true to life. And I felt that the best thing that Mass had going for it was that like the dialogue felt like real people had like half thoughts and like stuttered through their words in a way that I was like, that's how I would speak. That's how I am on this podcast. Exactly. That's what I'm like. I'm like, um, uh, like, but yeah, so I thought that performance stood out in a movie that like feels almost impossible to recommend to someone. Cause you're like, either it's either you don't, you want to have a really bad time. Yeah, either you don't get it or you're like, but if you love acting, I guess maybe give it a shot, but it's like, you know, you don't, we don't need to be like reminded of mass shootings and the trauma, but it's, I don't know. It's kind of like important in a way that yes, I, there was much said about mass and I went into it maybe with too high hopes. Um, but for me, I think the, the order of events, the order of, dialogue more like because it is just like people in a room talking like the whole movie um that all made sense and i on the surface like love that idea i think for me pretty much besides jason isaacs it was the other actors who took me out of that and i like it's a huge bummer because i really felt like there was a lot of overacting going on and i love the all of those actors like yeah i'm just like what they were doing really kind of like it rubbed me the wrong way where it was this especially it was an Dowd. is yeah and Dowd, yes, one of the mothers yeah i fucking love Ann Dowd, and she's, she was she was doing something and maybe that was the character that was like you know, imposed upon her, but this whole like overly sympathetic, like, and this is what we have, like this very, it it seemed condescending to me and it ripped me right out of this movie because I felt like there was a lot of that going on, just a lot of overacting. And it's really unfortunate because I think it is like people in a room talking about like this, you don't know what's going on at first. You don't, like know all the facts is slowly revealed like all these things there's really emotional beats and stuff like that and i was just like these freaking actors what is going i don't know i yeah, didn't really do ham it up me. yeah ham it up chewing the scenery up. yeah i mean i think that's a fair point and i think speaking of overacting maybe we can talk about jared leto and house of gucci you know the king of overacting. The king of overacting. You know what's really funny is when we were watching that, I said to, I said to Megan, I'm like, damn it. Like, that dude, from what I've heard, fucking sucks. Yeah. And 
I was ruthlessly entertained by his performance, even though it was like, yeah, bonkers. The makeup, really good. Yeah, really good. Really but, good. But you know that he wore that for like months on end and like acted yeah. that way in his real life. You know, and you're like, this is hard. fucking annoying. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, don't. I never want to hang out with him. No. <laughs> I also mostly don't like what he does in movies. I'm like, this is like, this is bad. Like. I love Blade Runner 2049 mm. and I think that like his character I'm like this is bad. I'm like this oh, is really? too crazy like <laughs> you need to chill out like he's trying to be so he's supposed to basically be like the technological genius that like made these replicants and I'm yeah. like he just comes off as like a crazy homeless person basically mm. like mm -hmm. and he tries to play everything with such importance and like yes. He tries yeah, he he thinks that every role I think that's what I liked about House of Gucci. Sorry, I cut you off. That's I know I yeah. agree. That's why I think like House of Gucci was the perfect role yeah. for him because his character is, is supposed that? to be a guy who thinks that all of his ideas are amazing, yeah, but he's totally. really just like the idiot of the family. Yeah, and everybody the whole movie Imagine. is like, shut up, like yeah. stop talking, and I feel like seriously, oh the my point God. is nailed. You're just like that's perfect. Um, yeah. yeah. Like he says at one point, like, I want to fly like a pigeon. And I was like, that's just a perfect line. And he said, but he says it as if like, it's profound and you're like, well, maybe, but <laughs> I mean, and so I just think it was like the perfect, uh, setup for him and, and it's incredible. Uh, in a movie that I found like incredibly entertaining, but like highly flawed. Highly flawed. Highly flawed. Do we want to get into that here or do we want to save that? We can save it. Okay. Um, we can talk here. We can talk about Bradley Cooper and Licorice Pizza, who. <laughs> oh, man. A movie that Easily I was like. the best part of that movie. Exactly. That's why I was like, and I love, I know I think we both love Paul Thomas Anderson, but. Big PTA guy. Licorice Pizza was, yeah, a movie we both saw together. Um, in Scotland. In Scotland. In, in Glasgow in a theater that was like. 10 stories high and we took like 50 elevators to yes. get to the theater. It was amazing. It was that, okay. That that's one of those experiences seeing a movie in a foreign country, even though it's not a foreign, like, or like a different a foreign language speaking country, like still, I don't know what it is, but it's like I, some, for some reason I feel like I'm breaking the rules. I'm like, I'm going to see a movie yeah. in Glasgow. I know. It's what? like, we're on vacation. Like, Why? Should yeah. We're like, but we love going to the movies and we needed a yeah. little break. And we, we went to break. the movies. We need to go to the movies. And Saw we licorice pizza. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Like not very memorable. Not at all. I'm trying to separate myself from like, you know, seeing a movie on vacation and like everything, go, like the, the situation of seeing a movie. But like, I feel you know, like this but, is something where the situation yeah. should have enhanced it for us. Yeah, and we like, all still walked out yeah. being like, it was fine. Yeah, totally. And Ex what, yeah. what was it about it? It was, Brad I mean, Bradley Cooper's, I think he has an energy that is just like way above anybody else's in the movie. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's loud. He's angry. He's like clearly a bad dude. Like, mm -hmm. oh man, immediately just like, we know he sucks. Yeah. You're like, this yeah. guy's an, like a pretentious, <laughs> like entitled asshole. Yeah. But the scenes, like from the first scene he's in to the last, which is probably like a stretch of like 15 minutes in the movie. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I think he's in less, but like there's some stuff that oh, happens. The, oh, the actual sequence. Yeah, totally. But like from yeah, the yeah, start yeah. of him showing up for the first time to like the last moment you see him, mm -hmm. 
the movie has an energy that it doesn't have for the rest of the runtime where I'm like this, I, I was engaged to a point where I was like, you know what it was? Yeah. The stakes were real because he was so convincing at being like a person who you knew would just fly off the handle at our illustrious protagonists. Yeah. That like you felt real fear to a certain degree of like, Oh no. Like what? is this guy going to do to our protagonist? Because in the rest of the movie, that's what's unclear to me is like, what are the state? And maybe this is not the time to get into it because this is about Bradley Cooper. But like, I feel like that's what he brought to the table. I think that's dead on. I think, and like, it's okay. Like not every movie needs stakes. Like, um, Mm -hmm. there are great hangout movies. Like, um, most of what Richard Linklater makes. Oh man. Like yeah. those are hangout movies and I mm-hmm. mostly enjoy them. But for some reason, because I think it was, and it's kind of unfair cause it's like Paul Thomas Anderson. So like you can't expect like there will be blood or like the master every time. But like, I think I was like, Oh, this is so light for him. And it's, yeah. you're right because there's no stakes in the movie. Like yeah. it's young people who are kind of unsure of their footing, like sort of falling in love. Maybe, maybe not like, mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay, it's a hangout with like, these people trying to figure it out where like yeah. his character comes in and you're like something bad could actually happen now. Yeah. Um, will this be a test of their metal? So yeah, to speak, so to speak. But I think to your point about like, not every movie has to have stakes. Like there are good hangout movies and stuff. I think you can expect certain things out of certain kinds of movies. So like you can expect certain things out of a hangout type of movie and I think that's what licorice pizza didn't necessarily deliver the goods on was like there's a certain like set of ingredients that has to happen for like a hangout movie to like be acceptable or like successful and that I think that's what was missing from licorice pizza is because like for whatever reason is like that's what I can't really nail down and I think it's because well it definitely has something to do with the lead characters and I I'm pretty sure it's because neither one of them was ground either grounded in enough reality or like not that they have to be likable, but just interesting or relatable enough for me to really want to hang out with them. I agree. I think for some people the like, um, the main kid of the story was basically like a 17 year old, like, annoying businessman like constantly on the move coming up with like new schemes for some people i think that feels like fun and like cool and like oh look at this like 17 year old like entrepreneur and for me i was like this kid is just like if he was if he was a kid in our day and age he'd be like the kid talking about crypto nonstop, and you'd be like shut the fuck like he was so annoying to me like right from the opening monologue i was just like i I don't like this kid and i think like that made it really hard to love the movie overall but i did love Mm -hmm. bradley cooper's performance absolutely um i think another performance i did love was uh cody smith mcphee in power of the dog Mm -hmm. which um is a movie i loved uh but i think his performance sort of grounds the movie like i think he's the best cast in the movie and i think part of the point is like these other people are a little out of place in like the old west um but i really enjoyed his performance i don't know what you feel about the acting in that movie that movie overall loved it the acting pretty much loved it again i'm like 
I look at like Kirsten Dunst and I'm like, I guess I don't exactly buy that as like a award worthy performance. I love Kirsten Dunst. Me too. Kiki, but like I feel like why there's a lot in this year's Oscars and I'm like, why them? I feel the same way. I Cody love Cody Smith McPhee, like that was a performance that was so understated. It's one of those things that's like, oh man, I think that just like flew above my radar. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was great. That's one thing. Like the more you think about the movie after yeah. seeing it, you're like, well, his character kind of drives almost everything that happens mm-hmm. in a way that's like done so subtly that like while you're watching it, he's a little bit, I mean, his character's supposed to be off putting, I think, especially at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all the characters at first are a bit off putting except for Kirsten Dunst's character, but then they don't really give her much to do for the rest of the movie. So it's kind of like, yeah, I felt similarly where I'm like, I love her. I think her performance is great, but I just don't think enough happened with that performance where I was like, it's worthy of the nomination. I think. Yeah. And I feel similar. Like it might be the nature of the, the role too. Cause like definitely. kind of her role is like, it's, I don't want, thank, without giving it's very too much thankless. Away. Yeah. Role, and yeah. that's like the, I guess that's what I'm seeing is, probably the point is like, man, like she just gets fucking steamrolled and yeah, like, like these dudes are yeah. all sort of like ignoring her and treating her like shit and mm-hmm. like making her feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the catharsis in the movie I, without spoiling too much is just not, it's not, she doesn't get to exact the catharsis in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it does feel a little bit unsatisfying for her character to just like go through all of these things, but mm-hmm. not be the one who gets to decide what happens in the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the decision that is made. I know. Oh man. I know. You, what did you tell me? You were like, did you slow clap this? Or you fist pumped? I fist pumped fist in the pump. theater. Yeah. I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. And his, there is this like he's Cody Smith McPhee is like so understated and like I think that adds to all of the 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 simmering tension and like just everything boiling underneath the surface where you're just like man like coming out of nowhere tension you know yeah I think that's a great point he does embody like the tension Mm -hmm. of the movie in that one character very well. Is that your? No, I have one official, more. Okay. My official pick is actually Jeffrey Wright in the French Dispatch. Whoa. Yeah. Which like is feel. I mean, the French Dispatch is a movie I I really enjoyed. Um, but it's like yeah, it's told in multiple chapters, and you get different characters for like ten mm-hmm. to thirty minutes at a time, depending. And he's the lead of the third main story of the movie, um, which is about like a prison guard who or a, a police commissioner and his chef basically. <laughs> yes. And Jeffrey Wright is a journalist telling the story of these two people and their relationship through like a tumultuous case basically. Yeah. And I think he does a lot of like the emotional lifting of that movie about why it's important to write stories and like tell stories and not even from like a sentimental perspective. I just, I love watching Jeffrey Wright act. Like I think he's so good in like the first season of Westworld. I think he's like great in as Felix Leiter in like the bond movies. Um, Mm -hmm. he just, every time he shows up, I'm like very happy to see him. Mm -hmm. And I think like this movie put him front and center for like a nice 30 minute stretch of the film that 
that's the I think that's the story I enjoyed most of like the three main stories and I think he's the reason why. Oh nice. He does have a very like human way about him especially oh man, especially as like a Felix Leiter in Yeah, like in, in a Bond, Bond movie movies, where everybody's yeah. like doing it and like he does the insane action part, but like every time yeah. he shows up you you feel like the emotional stakes are raised because he's such a great, like humanistic actor where you're yes. like Oh, there's more than just like crazy action stakes here like mm-hmm. this is a human element to this film because i think jeffrey wright is such a great performer he, yes he bring the uh, specifically talking about like him in like a bond movie and like even like some other ones and even the french dispatch is like he brings this attitude with him which is like he almost humanizes the bureaucrat where he's like Oh my God, like we're, we got to do this, but just give me a break here. Like, we'll try to figure it out, but like, we just got to, like, this has to happen. Like, how can we do this? Like, it's almost like he, he has this exasperation to him. That's like, oh man, any normal person in these crazy situations would feel the exact same way. And he just brings it to life in such a way where you're like, dang man, like, yeah, you, you're like bond, do your thing, but give me a friggin' break, bro. Like Like, what's, (laughs) what's more relatable than a character who's constantly like exhausted by what's happening to him. Yeah. And it is something that like most movies are like, yeah, we're just going to skip over like how crazy or like traumatic this could be. And Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, like this, this gets to me emotionally yes. in a way that like, I think the French dispatch and like, I think a lot of Wes Anderson movies have that like through line of like, that's true. the way that he presents it with his, like his production design and like mm-hmm. his, like all the colors and all the, and like the all, always the score is usually like pretty upbeat mm-hmm. and it kind of masks oftentimes like the emotional undertones of the movie. Uh, and I think like with French dispatch, that can get lost a little bit. And I think just like having Jeffrey Wright's character, like ostensibly monologue every time he's on the screen, because he's like a Mm -hmm. writer who's on a talk show, who's like reading his own story. And -hmm. then you see the visuals of that story as he tells it, like Mm -hmm. it really brings to life, like, yeah, the human element of it. And like, I think it's also just like, highly entertaining that's the section of the movie that has like live action but also like a five minute animated sequence and like it does feel like the final like push and like entertainment Mm -hmm. portion of the movie before they like tie in the final like Mm -hmm. epilogue basically Mm -hmm. um yeah so i just really loved him but it sounds like you had someone else in mind so well just like wrapping up in a movie like French Dispatch we're like in a Wes Anderson joint where it's like everybody's at an 11 like I think he's such a good foil to that because you need somebody to be like a level head or like a grounding kind of anti like persona like all these people everybody's a character in these movies everybody's a character yeah here's here's your reliable narrator that's jeffrey wright that's like, actually like not everybody can be if everybody was adrian brody yeah the movie would be like exhausting yeah and i love seeing adrian brody in yeah. Wes anderson movies but like five minutes at a time yep. his character comes in chaotic mm-hmm. i think that's a brilliant point about like jeffrey wright is like the bring you back to reality character of mm-hmm. the French Dispatch. Yeah, and especially like, in a the one segment that has a 
honest to goodness animated sequence. Yeah, it is like the like, rest of it is told yeah. in an absurd story. Yeah. Um, but he does ground it in a way that I think works perfectly for that. Yes. Um, no, I, so my pick for, yeah, supporting actor would probably be Cody Smith McPhee, but kind of, that va- was my number two. Nice. Vacillating. And I, for the life of me, I can't pronounce either of his last names, but from Belfast, the grandpa from Belfast. Oh, Kieran Hines? Kieran Hines. That dude rules. He is so good. Yeah. In like He's literally amazing. everything. It's just tough for me to combat it with uh the understated role of Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah, and I mean it's just they're Karen both Hines, so great. I wouldn't be mad either way. No. I, that's gonna be probably one of my toughest like when you we actually like do the do the picks before the before the actual Oscars. I'm like, who do I who, yeah, who do I think so the Academy's gonna pick? Then again, it could be a total upset. Not upset because I love J.K. Simmons, but him and being the Ricardos was very good. But like, it's such a uh, in comparison a minor role to both of uh, Kieran Hines and uh, Cody Smith McPhee. So yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. I think that's a great point, and that uh, sums up our supporting actors. Yeah. Take it away with best director. Best director. Okay, yeah. so best director, just to break up the acting categories a little bit and pretend like I know what a director really does. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> no. But if the movie looks great, it's probably because the director managed everybody and made them do their jobs well. That's true. So I'll start with, uh, yeah, I'll start with the movie we have already talked about, uh, which was Nightmare Alley. I think. A movie that I felt like maybe a bit too long, but overall mostly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody on Letterboxd say, Nightmare Alley, more like Nightmare Highway. This movie's long, bro. <laughs> I saw that. And I was it's like, so that's good. fucking brilliant. I think oh, that was like man. David Sims, who's a critic for The Atlantic, who's just, yeah, he's great. Um, but I think like what, why I picked Guillermo del Toro in this category as a nominee was because within like five minutes of watching that movie, Amy and I were both like, oh damn, like this guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like right away, it felt like we were watching a movie made by somebody that had like complete control over what it looked like, what it sounded like, yep. what like the set design was like. And so I think even though the movie was a bit long for me and I'd, I'd say like, you know, great in parts, average in other parts not everything worked i think like it's like it's i feel bad because every technique like all the performances and the direction of that movie i'm like these are amazing but overall i was like unfortunately left a little bit short for me what exactly do you think uh was lacking and i think there's just like i think they move like the first act of the movie and the third act of the movie are really strong. And the middle act where like Bradley Cooper's character is like sort of out on striking out on his own, mm-hmm. but he's still like got the Rooney Mara character with him and like tied to the original circus he was with, but he's met Kate Blanchett, but he's not fully in like, and he's met uh, Richard Jenkins character, which mm-hmm. I loved like, but he's not fully in that third act. There's about like 20 minutes there where I'm like, we get his shtick already. Like yeah. we know he's, 
he's incredibly charismatic. We know he's like manipulating people to get the information he needs. We know he's putting on a show for the people. Yeah. And I think they just dragged that on a little bit too long Mm -hmm. before they got to like the final like stakes of the third act where it does become really interesting again. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like you already got the point of Bradley Cooper's character of like being a little bit sleazy, definitely being a person with like a, uh, not much of a moral compass and you didn't necessarily need some of like the scenes in the middle of like him and Rooney Mara, like starting to get into fights or like you kind of, I also didn't buy their chemistry as much. Like he's clearly got better chemistry with, uh, both Tony Collette and Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, dynamite. Where it kind of just yeah maybe made that like wow. middle section feel a bit of a slog for me. Yeah, no, totally. I, man, you're totally right. That relationship, I guess, I didn't buy because it seems so really like surface level. Like yeah, he was just kind of like actually even at first like. It, it didn't seem like he was overly obsessed with her in any way. He just like was like really about upping her game in the in the circus that they were doing and like just wanted to like it was more about himself than anything else. Yeah. He was just like using her as like a vector essentially. And then like when they when they end up together more or less, it's like why though? It, was she more of a trophy for him? What? That's like, what she I just because, blindsided by him. Yeah, I like, don't think she's supposed to. Be, I think it's supposed to be that thing where like movies in the 30s and 40s where people meet and they like immediately fall in love and they like are married like three days later and you're like that's mm-hmm. not how relationships work. Yeah. <laughs> um, except that like they just didn't have that sort of chemistry. Like yeah. I think the whole time it was meant to be like that. We're like, yeah, you know, he first that notices cool. her when he yeah. like shows up in the circus for the first time. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know, you see the camera panner and you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And they like, they talk very briefly, like a couple of times. Yeah. And then it's like run away with me. And you're like, okay. Like if I'm buying that, this is a movie that is an homage in a lot of ways to a, to it's yeah. a remake of a movie that came out in the forties too. And I'm yeah. like, okay, but they just didn't have the chemistry where I was just like, those parts where it was mostly just the two of them mm-hmm. and like sort of in between his original life and his next act as a magician basically mm-hmm. was like, eh, like bit too long. No, to to the point. Totally. And like, even with that, it's like, I think the, maybe the time spent should have been like, maybe it wasn't even too long. It was like, it should have been rearranged where it's like, we needed to see more of them just the two of them and why we should care and why they're in love and stuff before we get to this part where then there's, you know, drama and all these things. And it's like, Oh, now I understand. Yeah. You know, that yeah, could, you that under- could have helped. Cause like, when you get yeah. to the end, you understand, mm-hmm. but there's a lot in between that. I'm like, I don't know. Totally. Um, but yeah, but to I, that movie's credit. Yeah. Like you're right. It's like speaking of like an art, an auteur, yeah. Artur? Artur? Art- it's like, yeah. Ar- Artois. Uh, O-U-2-er? O-U. We're not French. Neither of no. us are French. Hard to believe, I know. But, um, yeah, I would say it, it was hard to not look at 
it's such a yeah. great no. entertaining and immediately I'm movie. like wow yeah. this is like in the hands of a master director yeah. just like take me away yeah like, yeah so totally. I figured I had to give him a nod I think nice uh, nice Joanna Hogg who directed the souvenir part two and the souvenir part one but that came out a few years ago I did um, I did watch souvenir part one. Oh, nice uh, okay so great. I have not watched part we two. don't need to talk too so, much about yeah. it um I love both of those movies. I think the second one's great. I'll talk a little bit more about one of the performances in a bit. Nice. Um, another one. Okay. Another one that we haven't talked about is, uh, Ridley Scott for not the house of Gucci, but the last duel, which is a movie. I think that like no one saw in theaters and then it was on HBO max and I watched it over Christmas with my mom and my cousin. And we both, we all, all three of us had a great time. And yeah. it's like very much in the vein of like, you know, Gladiator, another movie that Ridley Scott made where it's like emotional beats in the middle, mm-hmm. some insane like battle sequences Brutal. or fight sequences where I'm like, like, I don't think that anyone knows how to really direct that scale of like medieval violence mm-hmm. almost or like, yeah. um, like, yeah, like gladiatorial, like medieval violence of like sword violence, basically. Yeah. Like there's no modern weapons or anything and it's just hand-to-hand combat i think Mm -hmm. he does such a great job of that and i really enjoyed the last duel and i just think like he's 80 years old and he made two movies this year so maybe i mean not that he hasn't gotten enough i was gonna say like you could like do but i did really love the the last duel you just have to like yeah just respect respect. i mean like yeah you work more than i do and like you're (laughs) 60 years older than me basically (laughs) almost Um, but yeah and then I would I just want to second that I think he like everything about The Last Duel was criminally overlooked yeah like I fucking love that movie it was great man it's like an it's like a drama action movie that you're like they don't they don't make these anymore. Yeah. I mean, I hate, yeah, you hate to use that cliche, but they don't. I do. It, it's, I'm like, literally, sucks. I'm like, well, Gladiator was amazing. Like, everybody agrees that Gladiator was amazing, One of the I feel like. Greatest yeah. movies. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> so if The Last Duel came out, like, if this was the movie Ridley Scott made right after Gladiator, everyone would have seen it and would have been like, this movie is amazing. Yeah. But because I think, like, we're used to our, like, action movies with stakes as being like comic book movies now, which yeah, I'm not like saying that in a disparaging way. It's just, we can have an is, entire yeah, we other could. conversation about like, I do want to touch on this, but like how superhero movies have really like for better or for worse, rewritten the rules of like blockbuster movies in yeah. general, which is in my opinion, it is for worse. And I'm, it is, know. it is for worse as well, but I'm, you know, I understand the appeal because most of them that I have seen, I've really enjoyed from an entertainment perspective, mm-hmm. but I think like Winter that's Soldiers. what, that's what is Dragon now. Awesome. Yeah. The Captain America movies are amazing. Yeah. And like Thor Ragnarok is like awesome. an incredible movie, yeah. like from the action to like the comment, like mm-hmm. it's, it just hits every beat that you want to see from like a fun blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, it has, those movies, because there are so many of them, have taken the place of like a movie like The Last Duel, which would have been yep. like a prestige action movie. Yeah. Oh, that's that like such makes a good, you yeah. it makes you think in a way, and like uh, it does ask a little bit more of the viewer than like what would be like a popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. But it still would have been a movie that like 
when when we were in high school, like that would be the blockbuster movie that we're all going to see. Totally. And yeah, I just wanted to to give it a little shout out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then the power of the dog, which we just talked about, I think mm-hmm. is like a brilliantly directed film. But my pick is actually Denny Villeneuve for Dune. Bruh. Yeah, bruh. Because bruh. Dune does not work if it's not directed by Denny Villeneuve. I have to, well, what bold statement, but. I mean, he, it doesn't work nearly as well. Maybe it works, but he. He has this aesthetic, he yeah. has this flair. If you want, flair is a bad word for that, but you're it's, absolutely right. Where it's like Blade Runner 2049 being a great example. It's like this talk about prestige sci-fi. Yeah. Like th- besides maybe, I mean, Alex Garland with like Ex Machina. Yes. And which, like, um, oh. yeah. Like Annihilation. Annihil- yeah. Oh, thank you. I Those, can't think of yeah, Annihilation, no, like he's not incredible flaws, too. But, oh but my small, gosh. much smaller scale. Like, yes. Villeneuve is. Everything's just fucking huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, most of those, like most things that we watch now that are like world building Mm -hmm. are, are TV shows because you need like game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. like you need time to fully explore and like explain the world that you're in. Yeah. And Villeneuve has a visual style that like he gets scale on that level. And like, Mm-hmm. In a few shots, you understand like the magnitude of like the world warring colonies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the like palace that they live. Like yeah. you understand how big and vast everything is in yeah. a way that is like claustrophobic. Where you're like, there's so much here. Mm-hmm. I feel trapped because I can only see what mm. he's showing me on screen. Like he shows you everything, and then he takes you into like rooms of the palace mm-hmm. and you know all of the danger is looming outside of that mm-hmm. but you're trapped with those characters also trying to like think your way out of it or like mm. you know work your way out of whatever the situation is but i don't think that there's anybody who can direct like world building scale of it and i think like and dune was generally very well received thank god yeah <laughs> Because it did rule. Because if you've seen it, you know that that is imperative yeah. <laughs> for it to have done well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'm wondering <laughs> if it's a thing, because it is like kind of half of a story, like it yeah. was notoriously like they didn't put part one in front of it, but mm-hmm. it, when you saw the movie, it clearly ends like partway through the book. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe it's a thing where they're waiting for part two or part three, however many parts there are to come out before they acknowledge like the work that he's done Mm. but in case they don't i'm here to say now that like yeah i don't i mean i really like the performances in that movie too i think it's well cast i think i think everything about it's really well done but i think the most impressive part is like being able to show the scale of the world of dune and also make you feel um like the emotional beats of each individual character too which yeah. I think is down to Villeneuve more than anything else. That's a really, yeah, I think I would definitely agree with that. I think a parallel to draw to, I know we were just dogging on superhero movies, but like, I think a parallel to draw when balancing like such an immense like story and a pretty broadcast is 
something like Infinity War or Endgame where you have so many characters and you have to have those emotional beats land or like nothing works. And I think that kind of balance is like just astronomically hard. And yeah. For, oh, and yeah. for like the thing about like a Marvel movie, like infinity war and stuff is like they, you know, they have the lore and they have, you know, everybody and their brothers like written a comic book for these like characters and like all these things. Like so there's so much to draw from. It's like Dune, it's one book and it's like, or one story I should say. And it's like, it is up to this team, this director to be like, here's my vision for this because they've done it before a couple times yeah, and it didn't. really hasn't worked that well. No. <laughs> and so it's like for this guy to like balance this out this way and like finally find a way for it to work like a, you know, like a superhero movie, like cast of thousands, like budget, like for it to work like that and for it to be really cohesive and like easy to follow, but still entertaining and like, dense but still coherent like wow like yeah yeah no it's it's true it for the most part i was like this makes sense and i understand who is who Mm -hmm. where they are Mm -hmm. in a way that like shows or the marvel movies have like multiple hours and episodes or multiple movies to introduce you to each of the characters to bring you into that world. Like he did that in, in like one, a little over two hours, basically yeah. maybe like two and a half, but still. yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Infinity war. Yeah. There's it, along with the comics to draw from. It's like there was, was 20, it 19 movies yeah, before that one? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, so you, you know who the characters are, which that's fine. Like, yeah, I don't mind, but it is like, Im- it's impressive to me that Villeneuve can do that in a two hour frame to like make you understand the stakes and who the characters are. And like, yeah. And it's just like vision for bringing together like a, a world that we don't know. Like it doesn't exist. It's a sci-fi story. Like I want to, I want to, it's not set on earth. It's not like, no, it's not like, okay, we have like, it's not an apocalyptic story. Like there's no real frame of reference. It's coming for New York. Exactly. Like Like, all the visuals he (laughs) had to like, think of from the text and mm-hmm. make them come to life in a way that like we could see mm-hmm. and understand and relate to. Yeah. I think it's a, additionally, it's a really hard sell. I think that was why uh, me and a lot of other people worried that it wouldn't do that well was because to borrow something from party down. I don't know if you watch party. Oh down. yeah. Okay. To borrow something from party down. It's like for all intents and purposes at this day and age, Dune, I think to the mass audience would be considered like, hard sci-fi where it is like it is dense and it is completely unfamiliar to a lot of people except for you know maybe like i control the spice i control the universe or whatever something like that where it's like this is completely unknown to mass audiences yeah you know no, I mean, I... And even I, dogged to a certain degree because it's like it has been done poorly in the past and people are like, oh, dude. Right. Like, you know. Everybody was expecting it mm-hmm. to not really work. Yeah. Like, people really bad... Like, people who love the book and even people who have, like, a nostalgic affinity for, like, the David Lynch version or something. Like, they're yeah. all aware yeah. that, like, the version didn't really work even if, like, you can have fun watching parts of it. But, like, yeah. this movie came out under the guise of, like they didn't yet green light a second one like crazy is this gonna work at all 
and yet it worked like incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, it's so uh, good. Yeah, that's yeah. a great that's a great pick for yeah. best director because dang. Yeah, if you have anything else to add, that's all I have to say about the best director. Uh, best director. Well, I had some additional. I know because Denny Villeneuve was not nominated for the Oscars somehow, which I. That's why also that's I was like, we need to bonkers. talk about... That's an Argo Dude. situation. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, anyway, not to annoy, not to like get us mad on here, but... I'm already mad. I'm always mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm looking at the Best Director nominees, and if I had to pick from the list, I would say... Probably because it took me by surprise for how much I really ended up enjoying it. Um, why can't I pronounce anybody's name? Power of the Dog. Jane is Campion. A ca- Campion. Yeah. Okay. I know you want to say. I want to say Champion. But or I said, Campion. Did or you something. Did you realize that you were Jane Campion in her eyes? To paraphrase Kanye West. Wow. Yeah, I gotta go. That's really That's bad. <laughs> and on that note, but you know, we're out of, keep going because on that, that note, out of dynamite. out of the Oscar nomination, Let's she go. she would also be my pick. Um, yes. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it rules. Have it you really seen? Um, she also. Have you seen In the Cut, which she directed? I just recently yeah, rewatched In the Cut. That movie does literally fuck. fuck. That is my brand. It is of so fucked fucking up good. Detective yeah. noir yes. sleaze nonsense. Yeah, like it's great. She makes. She knows how to make like a horny detective story. Yes. What was uh, the other one we watched? Uh, Bound. Talk about. Oh yeah, horny, Bound. Horny yeah. detective. Yeah. Crazy. Well, not crime. detective, but like crime. crime. Yeah, crime agent. Yeah. Yeah. Bound rules. Uh, yeah. yeah, and Jane Campion also directed. Uh, Top of the Lake, which is like a it's a it's like a mini series with Elizabeth Moss, and she's like a detective in oh, New Zealand. What? Like uh, working on like small like rural rural New Zealand investigating the murder of like a young girl. That's and it's so good. Uh, I think it's on Hulu, but that's okay. top of like, but yeah, Jane Campion's oh, a, yeah, an incredible I'm, director. I'm adding so, that to the list. Yeah. Uh, so, she was like, I basically like would have given it to her if I mm-hmm. wasn't going to talk about power of the dog so much. <laughs> I mean, and cause Denny Villeneuve needs some love cause Dune ruled too. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess the only other thing here for me for best director in this category, I do have some asides, but like for in, in the nominees realm, um. Ooh, I can't pronounce it. Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Yeah. Um, I just watched Drive My Car last night, and a little long. Uh, not my favorite. Really good though, and the performances were pretty dynamite. And the Agreed. the way it was shot, the like just like some of the visual strikingness of just this red sob just yeah driving all over the, i mean it's so no, that's, that's one of those point. like so simple it's like why how has this not even been done before like just the conceit of this movie like we've seen it a billion times but the way it's done and the situations we're brought into yeah it was it was really good it felt like a i don't know this maybe sucks to say this felt like an oscar movie um but only like but in a good way. Because yeah. normally when I say that, I'll say, I'll attach it to this is Oscar bait. I yes. don't feel like it was oh, Oscar bait. Oh, that's a great point. I don't feel like it was Oscar bait. I feel like it was a really good movie and one that I could see as being like, oh man, this is has a 
has a through line and like a conceit of its own with performances to match and visuals to match where I'm like, I could see this being appropriately nominated. As it was. Yeah. I guess that's my, no, that's a great point. It feels, it feels prestigious in a way without trying to be prestige. Like it just feels incredibly well-made and well done Mm -hmm. without them purposely being like, we're going to make this to win awards. Yeah. It feels worthy of the awards without pandering to the awards. Yes. Yeah. There yeah. I would say that for the most part. I th- I would say it's imposing length is the only thing that I would kind of like uh I, I, I prepared to watch it too. It wasn't like I like put it yeah. on. I was like, I'm not ready. I'm falling asleep. It's like, I was just very like, you know, you gotta be in the mood. Yeah. There yeah. was, there was some parts where I was like, ah, I'm just not, I guess I'm not as invested as I should be. Or I guess I'm just like, they could have cut a, cut a bit, you know, that's fair. And that's I think only, like, that's my only thing. I was very glad I saw it in a theater because that, yeah, it had Ooh. my entire attention. That was one thing I was like, this Pretty much right away, I was like, this seems like a movie I would really enjoy it to watch in the music box. Yeah, I actually saw it at the Gene Siskel Auditorium, which is like a small, I I don't... That's great. I think there are two theaters there, but I saw it in like a smaller one with maybe like 50 people. Mm. Um, And we got there and it was like 1230 on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't think twice about it, but it was completely full. So I had to like sit in the front row. Mm -hmm. But thank like the front row there is pretty like you got like a good 10 15 feet removed from the screen so you're still like that's not bad yeah and and uh i think like seeing in a theater made it a much more like immersive experience Mm -hmm. um where you have to like sit with the characters through those like lengthier quiet moments and like Mm -hmm. um i was really glad i did because it is it is definitely like any movie of that length requires if you're going to put it on at home like mm-hmm. you to to recognize before you start it like mm-hmm. okay I need to be in a specific mood where I'm going to pay attention and I'm not really distracted we definitely put the lights down made sure we were like done eating for the most part and like no phones like that kind of thing so we we did our due diligence but it yeah still being at home it's like I gotta pee yeah. I, I mean, and there's no, like, you know, and there's no replacement for like a giant movie screen. So I think like that's more than anything, like being overwhelmed by the size of a screen and the sound in a theater is like automatically makes you more immersed in the experience. Um, Definitely. but I'm glad like you still watch it at home and we're like, for the most part, like really loved this. And, uh, I, I agree. I think, yeah. I think that Hamaguchi's direction, like, like I think that's a brilliant point about like, it's a red sob that like, I mean, the movie's called Drive My Car. A lot of it is about being driven in a car, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just like a red sob, and and the driver is legitimately great at her job. Mm-hmm. So there's no like, you're not like speeding through a city. It's not no, like it's, it's a, not romanticized in any way, but it's shot stunningly. Where it's like a lot of yeah. like these crazy like telephoto like shots like of this car meandering through these buildings where it's almost like um like a 70s movie like uh the conversation or something like this where it's like things are you know perspective is smushed every like some shots even if the character's standing outside by like the river and stuff some of them are shot in like high angles with a telephoto lens where it looks almost isometric and it's just very like 
wow, these angles and this like the scale and you're just you're you're in it, you know, you're 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 a fly on the wall. You're spying on these people, you know, in in a way. It's just I love that. Yeah. No, that's in the hands of anybody like or not in the hands of anybody else. I should say like done any other way besides that. It would just have a completely different feel. Good or bad. I don't know. But like the way it ended up being done was like very cool. Yeah. No, that's that's well said. Um, thanks, man. You're welcome. <laughs> Having a great time. Having a great time. Love to talk about movies. Yeah, we're uh, we're at an hour twenty right now. That's which not is bad. Very, not bad. Yeah. I think I think. But I did have. So we're gonna just keep rolling with it. Uh, my additionals for best director. Um, I'll talk about one first, and then I'll kind of see if I want to talk about another one because okay. there's a. But uh, again a movie that I don't believe is anywhere mentioned in the Oscars, if I'm not mistaken, but particularly for best director, um, the green Knight. Yeah. Damn. Let's talk about it. The green Knight. Uh, I had that on my short list. Oh. Um, didn't make the top five, but very easily could have. Okay. Best picture. Probably not. For reasons I can't even name. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bit. I mean, it's a it's based on a fable yeah. or like a yeah yeah essentially, and it is told in like mm-hmm. a lot of ways that are not accessible to a majority of movie mm-hmm. watchers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked it. I but I know you liked it a lot more than I did. I did. Um. So I, I guess I would say like best, yeah, best picture, probably not for those reasons that you mentioned. Best director though. I like to think of these like, I don't know. I can't predict the Oscars cause it's like, I don't know exactly what their criteria. Like it, that's why you I can don't never know, wrap like, my who's head around. Voting. Yeah, you don't know like, like, have they even seen all of the movies? Like yeah. probably not. <laughs> Which is like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I know like yeah. they get invited to press screenings of it and like, yeah. you know, a war specifically, award like you know they'll say hey we want this movie to win an award like please come see our movie and be like so do the voters on the oscars like go see any movie unless they're like invited to go for free and it's an event hard to know dang that's a really that's a really good point so like yeah if you have a small movie it's also hard to swallow that the people who are responsible for this might not be as into movies as we are oh no they're definitely (laughs) not into it it's like they're a lot of them it's like their job but like they're not you know uh i used to be like a geologist and i would bring that up and people would be like that's so cool and i'd be like i hate my job (laughs) and i feel like maybe a lot of the people in the academy are like I'm a movie producer and people are like, that's, that's so, so cool. Good, yeah. And they're like, it's really actually annoying. Yeah. I and I feel like job. I'm always just giving a lot of money to stuff that I don't know if it's going to work. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. So I kind of feel like maybe it's a bit of that. Uh, wow. So that's why it's almost impossible to be like, that is true. What are people going to pick? Like yeah, what's what the consensus? Like who's, oh, yeah, man. it's, it's not very transparent. But anyways, we, well, di- we digress on uh, well, that, I the guess Green Knights. Why I bring that up is because I like to think of like the best director category as kind of what we like mentioned earlier about like that auteur like thing where it's like you can tell the director had like a handle on virtually every 
thing you then saw and heard on screen. I feel like the Green Knight kind of matches that that aesthetic or that that um, the Green Knight matches what that encompasses, which is like he here's this fable and here's this director's take on this fable, much like a Denis Villeneuve of Dune, where it's like here's his take on this thing. And that's what I really loved about the Green Knight is because it was like here's this like singular vision of this story and I really I just really dug it it was very like intimate but broad fantastical um yeah visually striking like it was it was its own thing like you knew you were watching the green knight the whole time basically that's I think that's a great like yeah when you watch a movie and you know like the whole Mm -hmm. time you're like I'm watching the same movie Mm -hmm. and you can feel that like whoever made the movie had a full grasp of what their vision was the entire time. Like, mm-hmm. I think that is a, a good, a, like a sign of a great mm-hmm. director made this and a yeah. person and the director for whatever reason, like whatever connection they have to the story, like had a very specific vision for it and was able to execute it for the entire length of the movie. Yeah. Um, and the green Knight very much does feel like one singular, um, vision and it's like you know it's something it's done in a style it's it's shot in a way that is um felt original like it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like you're seeing a retelling of like no. an action movie or an, or a knight's tale or something like mm-hmm. he did bring something entirely unique to the telling of that story which i think definitely stands out when you watch it yeah Absolutely. And I just, I was, as you were talking, I was looking up, like, cause I didn't even know the director's name oh, and yeah. I'm like shouting him out for like best directors. David Lowry. David Lowry. Uh, okay. So the, I just had to get that in there. Uh, just He's as good. we were talking about. I will be remiss. Amy loves ghost story. And, oh, I do uh, love ghost story. Yeah. I still have not seen it because I'm not ready to be that devastated. I think, um, I would, it feels it's... like a very heavy movie. It is very heavy. There is a mono and here's an aside as for ghost story. There is a monologue by some random dude at a party that we witness as a viewer who pretty much boils down the human condition in a way that you're like, it didn't depress me. It didn't like devastate me. It was just like, yeah, there it is pretty darn concisely exactly what I'm on about most of the time as far as like how existential I go like real quick it's like oh yeah there it is because that's what that movie is and that ends up being like kind of the thesis of the movie okay as well but it's very much like not like get ready here it comes it's more like oh yeah damn like there it is yeah you know so it's very good okay yeah I mean I said I mean I've enjoyed his other movie like Pete Dra- Pete's Dragon I liked fun. Uh and then The Old Man and the Gun, which is like a Robert Redford movie oh, where he's like an one. old I mean Robert Redford's in his eighties now, maybe. And mm. this came out like five or six years ago, and it's just it's like gentleman heisters. Like sweet. He's he's just Robert Redford smooth talking banks into like robbing them. And it's and there's like a lovely like uh little romance in the middle of it and like it's very i i really enjoy it um so yeah i should see ghost story because i like definitely appreciate his visual style and like everything else that he's made yeah i was yeah i didn't know what to expect when i saw it and it was i was i won't say pleasantly surprised (laughs) but i will say like just 
taken for a ride. Like, yeah. It was really good. No, it, it, it is definitely a ride. Yeah. So I had, yeah. So I had David Lowry for the green Knight for my, uh, um, alt pick for best director and then, or contender, I should say. And then honestly, if we're going to go the Arturo route, I don't think this, you know, I don't think you should get best director, but man, card counter. I really love Paul Schrader's like everything. And card counter is just one of those like whole experiences of like, Oh yeah, I'm watching Paul Schrader's vision of this thing. Same with first reformed, but maybe even more so in card counter, where it's just like such a specific like character study where I was just like the whole time just engrossed and unique, like visual storytelling. Like, I don't know. Great, no, I'm with great you. Movie. I really loved Card Counter too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, Paul Schrader's like whole, I guess, yeah, tone of basically like the world is kind of fucked, and mm-hmm. you just control what you can do and do what you need to do for yourself to like get through it. Oh man, yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, this, the card counter does feel like it has more of like a unique visual style than first reform does where like you can feel what he's doing. Like he does, he does some artsy stuff with like fish lenses and like, yeah, the, like he, he definitely puts more of like an imprint and like the visual style is used more to tell the story in this than it is in first reform too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's also a great pick, man. Yeah. Yeah. We're then, in mostly agreement so far. Like, you nice. know, yeah, I would say the only other one I was going to kind of mention in this category which maybe it's for me man i'd almost put this in like this is a best picture aside but we'll go with director because it's a very character driven movie come on come on and i feel like this movie was absolutely robbed in every respect i again this is one of those situations where i don't know what the academy is thinking in any respect because best actor best supporting actor best director got like what I would give this movie everything. Like I was such a freaking treat. I don't know. Yeah. And if you uh, haven't seen it, go see it immediately. No, I uh, agree. Uh, no, it, I know you've seen it. It but. feels yeah. like <laughs> I gotta go. I have to I go gotta, see. Yeah, come Jim's on, gotta come on. go. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm kind of surprised that it just kind of came and went as it did. Um, bonkers. Maybe because there were like a handful of black and white movies this year that maybe, it just maybe got swept under the rug a bit, but like, mm-hmm. and maybe because Joaquin Phoenix recently won for Joker that like mm. he plays a basically the opposite of the Joker in this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's literally like, like the a radio interviewer. Yeah. yeah a radio a, interviewer. Who's he's like basically an interviewing NPR. Kids. Yeah. He's an NPR radio host. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he has this sweet relationship with his nephew and he's like, a little bit like aw shucks and a little bit like frustration of like oh man like being a parent for like a week is hard yeah uh, as he watches like his nephew but um yeah i just i don't i don't get it i felt i felt very similar about uh similarly about 20th century women which he directed too which Mm. i really loved and i thought oh my god that Dude, yeah. I didn't even know that was the same. Yeah, same guy, Holy Mike Mills. And like, crap. And that movie was incredible. Like, these are just like two very that's sweet, insane. but like heartfelt dramas that don't shy away from like emotional turmoil. Yeah. But 
you feel the positivity coming mm-hmm. through them as well. And like mm-hmm. characters learning to see the good and like embrace the difficulties of like the situation they're in or like whatever their like life throws at them. And like, yeah, there's always stakes, but they never, they don't feel life or death, but they feel like in the way that relationships do and like family relationships do where you're like, this fight with somebody that I love mm-hmm. is a really and like, or this difference of opinion even is like a really difficult thing to navigate. And like mm-hmm. the characters feel that emotion. It's not just like, yeah, fuck it. We'll figure it out. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah, you know, and you see the character, like he does a great job of showing the characters alone too. So you see them in whatever situation and like, there are plenty of scenes in this movie. So yeah, most of the movie is Joaquin Phoenix taking care of his nephew. And a lot of it is the two of them together. Mm-hmm. But then you have moments where you just see, you know, Joaquin Phoenix trying to sleep or like listening to his tapes back mm-hmm. or like, and then you see moments of, of the kid doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you see them alone and you see like the, the turmoil and like the, sort of unease that they're in a little bit mm-hmm. and it never feels like something drastic's going to happen, but you feel the emotional like levity of it because of those moments, I think. Yeah. Oh, and he's just so good. Like, and it just like kind of got bypassed entirely. And, I'm, and it's, yeah, I, I don't know I, if I'll I, ever get over it. I haven't heard, <laughs> I, don't know. I haven't heard anybody <laughs> see, come on, come on and be like, bad movie yeah like no or even like meh yeah people are like no that was really good yeah like i really enjoyed like um yeah a lot of laughs like a lot of emotional yeah. moments like it is just incredibly well done. cathartic moments yeah oh like, yeah that's a great like i shouldn't say a lot but like a few enough, like yeah like enough appropriate exactly. yeah i think that's what it is like these situations go through like emotionally taxing events, mm-hmm. but never like the most emotionally taxing. Like it's, it's not melodramatic. It's no, just dramatic. Yeah. And it's just like, and then there's always catharsis. That doesn't mean that the problem is always solved, mm-hmm. but he gives you like enough of that positivity and enough of that catharsis so that you like feel at the end of these things that like, yeah, everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's like a lovely thing to feel coming out of a movie that has like people in it doing things that like we might do or might go through too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I bring it I I probably bring it up again. I don't even know. But yeah, I will director. bring it. I I oh, will nice. bring it up again. Hell yeah. That's a t- that's a teaser. <laughs> Little tease. <laughs> Little tease. So come on, come on. That's my alt for great. Alt. Literally every category. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, it could very well be. I guess that wraps it up for part 1 and then in part 2 we'll get into Tim, what are we getting into in part 2? We're going to get into just some more acting performances leads though the leads oh which we'll run through i'm sure a lot of those movies we've talked about but anything we haven't we can get into and then we've got our our best picture our favorite movies of the year amazing yeah i can't wait can't wait perfect 